Good morning, everyone, and welcome to this uh, Sunday morning worship service. My name is David Salverda. I'm one of the pastors here at Victoria Christian Reformed Church. I'm very glad you're tuning in today, and I hope and pray that God blesses you through this service. Uh, just one announcement before we begin, um, and that is that uh, next Sunday morning, we're going to try something different. Next Sunday morning, we are going to be hosting three short communion services in our parking lot or on the grass. We're still figuring out the exact formation, uh, but we are going to be doing that as safely as possible and uh, according to the rules of the province and whatnot. And uh, so I'm excited to be working on that, and I look forward to seeing you in person as opposed to just staring at the lens on my phone. Um, in the email that we sent out this morning is uh, instructions as to how to register for this event. So scroll down the newsletter and you'll see some announcements about this. There's a 9 a.m. spot, a 10 a.m. spot, and 11 a.m. spot. And each there's room for about 45 people in each service. Um, so we're hoping that uh, everyone who would like to come is able to come. If you're feel, feeling worried about... Um, how to register and, 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 and how that process all works. Uh, watch till the end of the service and at the end of the service I'll put a little tutorial video um, on how, how you can register and secure your spot. Other details that you'll need to know um, we, we will share later in the week um, and uh, yeah I look forward I look forward to that. And now, please join me in this call to worship. There is none like you, O Lord, nor are there any works like yours. All the nations you have made shall come and bow down before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. For you are great and do wondrous things. You alone are God. Please join me in prayer. Almighty God and Father, we, we turn to you this day in faith, trusting that you are great, good, and in control of this world. We also turn to you trusting that you hear and answer the cries of the people you have called. Turn your face towards us this morning, we pray, Lord, and give us the mercy we need to face the day, not in our own strength or power, but in your strength and power. We pray this in the name of our resurrected Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Brothers and sisters, the Lord is with you. Receive his greeting for you today. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Our first song this morning is a new song, and uh, so I invite you just to to listen along for the first two verses, please join if you're able on the last two. Day after day, we'll sing your 
splendor of the world your hand has made. Far greater still the majesty we see in the God is indeed great, and his name will indeed be extolled in all the earth. The Bible teaches us that when Jesus returns, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. On that day, all of creation will recognize his rule and submit to it. That's Christian hope. That's our hope as a body of Christ. And yet we know and feel the fact that this hope, all of creation submitting to the rule of Christ, is not yet realized. It's not reality at the moment. The world is not as it should be. Justice is not always done. The wages of our sin and the sins of others, they weigh us down. And all of creation groans under humanity's rebellion against God. And when we survey this, and sometimes it causes us to wonder, where is God? Why, why won't he put an end to all this suffering? And sometimes it causes us to ask, how long, O oh Lord? How long? Over the next few minutes, we're going to take a moment in our service to simply lament. To lament is to name the reality of brokenness in our lives and in the world. And it's to bring it to God in prayer. To aid our lament, we're going to listen to a song. Um, I invite you to, to close your eyes uh, as, as you listen. In the middle of the song, there will be a moment of silence. And in that time of silence, I encourage you to, to bring out your own longings and laments to God in prayer. And if you don't have anything in particular to lament about today, then I encourage you to intercede this morning for someone who, else who does. O oh Lord, oh Lord, hear our prayers and cries for, 
for mercy. Vindicate me, God, my Father. Come and plead my urgent cause for my enemies forever. Threaten me and flout your laws. I am safe with you alone. Why? Praises bring me. 
Brothers and sisters, what, what can we say or do in response to the brokenness we experience in ourselves and in the world? Sometimes we feel powerless, like we can't do anything at all. But we can turn our attention towards the one who conquered death and now sits on the throne. Jesus will return to judge the living and the dead. He has promised that. He has also promised, and he has said to us, Behold, I am making all things new. Write these words down, for they are trustworthy and true. So take heart this morning, brothers and sisters. In this world, it is true that we will have trouble, but Jesus has overcome the world. Please join me in prayer. Our Father in heaven, this morning we come before you and you have heard our hearts. You have heard the longings, the brokenness, the things we have laid at your feet. We pray today, Lord, that you would strengthen us with hope, fill us with faith, and empower us to love. We want to be your witnesses in the world, to bear witness to the reality that you are making all things new. So give us a voice, Lord, to testify about the renewal you've done in our own lives and the renewal we see in, in, our, in our homes and neighborhoods. And Lord, I pray for each of the members of my church, scattered they, as they are about this city, and I pray that you draw near to them today, Lord, that you fill them with your spirit, um, and that you uh, just allow them to know deep down uh, the truth, that you love them, that you care for them, that you will return for them one day, and uh, that you are making all things new. Lord, we pray for our city, that this can be a place where your, your goodness is test given voice to and your love is known. We pray especially, Lord, today for all those who are maybe trapped in addiction or, or in bad relationships or in just terrible situations, Lord. We pray that you would release them and bring about renewal in their lives and we pray lord that we in this time and place can just be a witness to your healing your healing ministry and uh, your kingdom so bless us we pray lord and give us what we need to continue to serve you in the world in christ's name we pray amen I see the sun slowly <laughs> creeping over, so I hope my face won't uh, get washed out in the light. Um, nothing we can do if it does, but that's okay. This summer we're looking at the lectionary psalms. Uh, these are the psalms that are given to us, to the church, uh, in this season of the church calendar year. Last week, we reflected on God's goodness and his care over creation in Psalm 65. Today, we look at Psalm 86 and um, yeah, just hear again about God's greatness and the 
fact that we can come to him with our burdens and troubles uh, asking for his mercy. Psalm 86. Hear the word of the Lord for you this morning. Hear, O Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. Guard my life, for I am devoted to you. You are my God, save your servant who trusts in you. Have mercy on me, O Lord, for I call to you all day long. Bring joy to your servant, for to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. You are forgiving and good, O Lord, abounding in love to all who call to you. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Listen to my cry for mercy. In the day of my trouble I call to you, for you will answer me. Among the gods there is none like you, O Lord. No deeds can compare with yours. All the nations you have made will come and worship before you, O Lord. They will bring glory to your name, for you are great and do marvelous deeds. You alone are God. Teach me your way, O Lord, and I will walk in your truth. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. I will praise you, O Lord my God, with all my heart. I will glorify your name forever. For great is your love towards me. You have delivered me from the depths of the grave. The arrogant are attacking me, O God. A band of ruthless men seeks my life, men without regard for you. But you, O Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Turn to me and have mercy on me. Grant your strength to your servant and save the son of your maidservant. Give me a sign of your goodness that my enemies may see it and be put to shame. For you, O Lord, have helped me and comforted me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Dear friends of Jesus Christ, Psalm 86 is a, a prayer of lament prayed by an individual who finds himself in trouble. A band of ruthless men has risen up against him. People who have no respect for the Lord or the Lord's ways are out to harm him. Like many of the Psalms, this Psalm is attributed to King David. Bible scholars sometimes de debate the reliability of those inscriptions. Did David really write this Psalm? Or was, this, uh, was that note just um, included by a later scribe? The debates around this uh, aren't really that significant in my opinion. The Psalms are not in the Bible to simply help us get a better understanding of the life of King David. Rather, they are the voice of faith, giving us language to sing and to pray and to be in a uh, communicative relationship with God. One thing that always amazes me about our God, the God of the Bible, the Christian God, something that should never be taken for granted, is that he reveals himself as one who willingly bears whatever we bring to him. He wants, he wants honest communication with his, with his people, an encounter with the real you. Some of us grew up in households where it was only safe to uh, share certain things in certain ways at certain times. And we learned, often the hard way, that we had to filter ourselves 
in order to avoid getting glared at or yelled at or something worse. But our Father in Heaven is not like that. Anything, any emotion can be brought to Him at any time. He'd rather have our unfiltered shouts of anger than our carefully curated religious piety. The psalmist in Psalm 86 is, is feeling weak and vulnerable, and so he brings this to the Lord in prayer. Hear me, O Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. Arrogant foes are attacking me, O God. Ruthless people are trying to kill me, people who have no regard for you. I've never had reason to fear like this for my own life, but I know that some of you probably have. Maybe you remember what it was like to live through a war, to have German soldiers knock on your door. Others of you have had scary encounters with people who are not in their right mind, or perhaps people who have terrible things on their mind. Hear me, O Lord, and answer me. I am poor and needy. Imagine you prayed something like that in those moments of fear. It's a scary thing to be in a powerless position. Where does one turn? Where, where does our help come from? The psalmist turns to the Lord in his time of need. Specifically, he takes refuge in the truths that he knows about his covenant God. If you read the psalm closely, you'll notice that the title Lord appears numerous times in the text. And if you look even closer still, you'll notice that sometimes Lord is capitalized, L-O-R-D, all caps, and at other times only the L is capitalized. Did you notice that? The reason for this difference is that the translators are translating two different words here. The all caps Lord, L-O-R-D, is God's covenant name, Yahweh, whereas the lowercase version of Lord is Adon, which means essentially master. So why is this significant? Here's the significance. An Adon, a master in the ancient world, had a responsibility to care for the servants within his house. It was his job to protect them. It was his job to, to make sure that they were okay and it was the servant's job to carry out the work of the master. Well, in this psalm, the psalmist is appealing again and again to this servant-master relationship he has with his covenant God. You know, with this, with this picture in mind as a servant calling out to his master, look at, let's look at a few verses together. Verse 2, Guard my life, for I am faithful to you. Save your servant who trusts in you. Verse 4, bring joy to your servant, Lord, for I put my trust in you. Verse 16, turn to me and have mercy on me. Grant your strength to your servant and save the son of your maidservant. A little while earlier in this sermon, I made the comment that the Psalms invite us to come to God as we are. And, and this is so true and important. God wants the real us, the honest us. He can see inside of us. He, knew, he knows who we are and what we're, what we're carrying. But that being said, there is a proper posture with which to engage our covenant God. We can speak to the Lord, all caps, because he has first spoken to us 
and, and, uh, and has adopted us as his own. But as we do, as we, come, as we come to our covenant God, we need to remember that he is not a servant in our house, but that we are servants in his house. Many people engage God as if he's a cosmic butler of sorts. We ring the bell when we, when we need him, and if he shows up and does what we want him to do, then, then he's a good God, and we drop a little tip in the offering plate. But if God doesn't serve us in the way we want to be served, we start to feel miffed and a little distant from God. Does God even care about, about me, we wonder. But that's the wrong way to conceive of the relationship. God, you see, is not a, uh, not a butler. He's the all-powerful Lord of the universe. And we are servants in his house. He is not servants in our house. Many people, modern people especially, chafe at this idea of, of servitude. We value autonomy, freedom. This is why we want God to be like a butler. He's got to fit with our agenda and plan. But who would, who would you rather be in relationship with when faced with actual trouble? The butler or the Lord of the, un- or the, Lord of the universe? The testimony of the Bible is that it is better to be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than it is to be doing anything else. Better is one day in his house than a thousand elsewhere. Why is this? The answer is because the true Lord is not a ruthless slave driver. He's good, a steadfast master. And if he can be counted on to clothe the grass of the field and feed the birds of the air, then how much more will he take care of the servants that he loves who are within his own house? The psalmist knows his vulnerability and and poverty, but he also knows what he has going for him, and that is that he is a servant in the house of the Lord. (coughs) This is the foundation of, This is the foundation of prayer. We can speak to the Lord, all caps, our covenant God, because he has first spoken to us and has invited us in. And we can come to the Lord, lowercase, master, because he is sovereign and can be counted on to do what is best. It's these truths that the psalmist calls to mind in the midst of the psalm. In prayer, he fortifies himself with all that he knows about God. Verse 5, You, O Lord, are forgiving and good, abounding in love to all who call to you. Verses 8 to 10, Among the gods there is none like you, Lord. No deeds can compare with yours. All the nations you have made will come and worship before you, Lord. They will bring glory to your name, for you are great and do marvelous deeds. You alone are God. There is nothing original about the verses that just flashed on your screen. They are basically quotes from other places in the Bible. What the psalmist is doing here essentially is preaching to himself, using scripture to fortify his own soul in the midst of trouble. What we need, we all, and we all, we all need to do this, you see, from from time to time. It's true on good days, but especially true when facing trouble. 
the person in your life that most needs to hear the truths about God, the gospel, is you. Over the last few years, I have taken up the practice of of prayer journaling. And when things are difficult and I'm all stirred up in various ways, I, I tend to begin my prayers by preaching to myself, by telling myself the truth about who God is and who I am in Christ. I write it out. I just start writing furiously. I write, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I write, I am someone in whom Christ dwells, and I live in the unshakable kingdom of God. I write, I have the spirit of Christ within me. I can stand firm, clothed in the armor of God. I, talk, I write the truth that now nothing in all creation can separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, my Lord. I confess with the catechism that he is my only comfort in life and in death, and that not a hair can fall from my head without the will of my Father in heaven. And usually as I'm writing out these truths and I'm quoting scriptures and maybe some psalms, something comes to me, something pops, and I underline it, and I write it out again, and I meditate on it, and I reflect on it. Recounting these great truths tends to calm me down, to give me some perspective. Fear and anxiety can tend to undo us pretty quickly. It can make us a little like like a feather tossed to and about, to and fro by the wind. Our minds race, our uh, worst case scenarios rush through our heads. We become reactionary. But reflecting on God and his character and work, it It grounds us like an oak. The wind may shake our branches, but we remain firmly rooted in Christ. And it's from this place of stability that we can begin to reflect on what is most important, what is most important in life. And what's most important from a servant's perspective is not the safety of our bodies, but the glory of our master's name and the formation of our character. Notice what the psalmist asked God for at the very center of this psalm. He prays for mercy, yes, at the beginning and at the end, but at the very center of the psalm, the psalmist asks that God would be glorified in his life. The psalmist asks that God would give him an undivided heart. Teach me your way, O Lord, and I will walk in your truth. Give me an undivided heart that I I may fear your name. I will praise you, O Lord my God, with all my heart. I will glorify your name forever, for great is your love towards me. You know, a lot is happening in the world and in our lives that is outside of our control. The goal of the faithful servant, when confronted with things outside of their control, is not to seek more power, but to pursue purity of heart in the midst of the trouble, to operate in a way that reflects well in the master's name and furthers the master's purposes. I think of uh, Stephen in the New Testament. Ruthless men sought his life, and all Stephen could do was give voice to the greatness of God that he had experienced in his own life, 
and that he experienced in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He couldn't stop them from stoning him, but he could choose how to handle himself as he died. And so he died bearing witness to the glory of God, forgiving the ones who are killing him. The first three petitions of the Lord's Prayer are all about increasing the kingdom, the household of our Master, our Father in Heaven. This is where faithful prayer starts. This is the center. And yet it's still appropriate to ask for daily bread and for deliverance from evil. Psalm 86 ends with a a plea for mercy and a request for a sign. The psalmist asks God to reveal his goodness in the midst of the trouble that his enemies might be put to shame. Do something, Lord. Show your power, Lord. Let them know who you are and that you, not them, are the ones who are in control. Or, Or that you, not them, are in control. In the end, we don't know if the psalmist received this sign or if his life was protected from the ruthless men who were after him. But we do know that he took refuge in the right master. For when the time was right, God did ultimately answer the psalmist's prayer, and he did enact a sign of his goodness in the midst of this world ruled by ruthless powers. I mean, what is the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ? It is a sign of God's goodness, meant to put the powers of sin and death to shame. Jesus died and rose again to release us from the ruthless and relentless power of of sin and the sinful nature in our lives. And when he returns, he will banish all evil and injustice from the world, this world that God so loves. Sin has been served notice. Arrogant people who have no fear of God, their days are numbered. And while the true servants of God still experience suffering in this life, we do not do so as feathers tossed about by the wind. We endure it like like oaks, rooted deeply in Christ Jesus, living in the assurance of knowing that nothing, not even death itself, can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. I don't know what trouble you are facing today, but I do know the Lord and Master, and I know that he protects and cares for the servants in his house. Take your trouble to him in prayer. Remember who you are in relationship with him and all that you have as one who belongs to Jesus. And rest in the reality that his is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. The ones he called, he loves and protects. Your life is safe with him. I'd like to end this sermon by having us all preach the gospel to ourselves, that we might be rooted again deeply in um, who we are and what we have with God. And I'd like to do so by quoting question and answer one of the, of the Heidelberg Catechism. Please join me.
was your only comfort in life and in death. That I am not my own, but belong, body and soul, in life and in death, to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood, and has set me free from the tyranny of the devil. He also watches over me in such a way that not a hair can fall from my head without the will of my Father in heaven. In fact, all things must work together for my salvation. Because I belong to him, Christ, by his Holy Spirit, assures me of eternal life and makes me wholeheartedly willing and ready from now on to live for him. Please join me in prayer. Our Lord and Master, we today reflect on the, um, the amazing reality that you have called us into your household, adopted us into your family, and what a high privilege it is to be your servants here in the world. We're so grateful, Lord, that you care for us in your church and that you, Lord Jesus, have promised to protect it and to be with, uh, with your people always till the very end of the age. We pray, Father, in the midst of our trouble that you would sustain us, that you would guide us, that you would give us purity of heart, that we might serve you and glorify your name, even in the midst of trouble. But we also, too, Lord, we also pray, Lord, for deliverance, for mercy, and even for signs, Lord, in this world that, uh, that things are still moving towards your kingdom and that justice will be done. Give us hope and faith and love as we wait, Lord, and may you bless us and strengthen us along the way. All this we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Without my heavenly Father 
This whole service, I've been a little bit worried about the sun coming in and maybe washing out my face um, in the video. It's kind of frustrating, but this is the only time I had uh, uh, to record this service. Um, but to finish the service, I'm just going to embrace it and just use this moment as a, to remind myself that the Father has turned his face towards me and is filling me with his peace. And I want to send you out with that blessing as well. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you his peace, now and always. And all God's people said, Amen. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. So hello uh, again, congregation. Um, in this uh, little video I'm making, I wanna just give you a little tutorial on how to use Eventbrite and register for our communion service next weekend. We're going with a registration system so that we can ensure that we, the services, that in the services there are less than 50 people in each one, which is of course part of the, part of the rules that uh, we are abiding by, the rules of our province. Um, so we're hosting three services, uh, a 9 a.m., a 10 a.m., and 11 a.m., and we would like you to register. Uh, the other good thing about registering is that it allows us to keep your name in case we need to do contact tracing uh, later if there's uh, someone. Yeah, just contact tracing is, is important at this time with COVID. So I'm going to show you um, how to do this. So I'm going to share my screen. So. Always, uh, you get an email on Sunday mornings with a link to the service. This email uh, is the newsletter that uh, Yvonne sends out. And um, this is generally what it looks like. There's a link, a word from us, some stuff for prayer, how to give. And then underneath that, we have the July 
uh, 26 drive-in communion services. So um, basically you have to choose one of these that you want to attend, click and uh, register. I've already registered my family for the 9 a.m. So I'll just give you a, a little review how that happens. So click 9 a.m. And actually I'll register Brittany now um, because I, I wasn't able to do that last time. So this takes you to a page and from there you click the register button. And it'll ask how many tickets do you want? So if you're registering for you and your spouse uh, or your family, you click this little down arrow and it will give you options. Hopefully you don't have more than five in your family. I found out the hard way that you can't register six. You can only register five. So choose how many people you want to register. I'm just going to register Brittany. So I'll register one. Uh, so one down here to register, click. Another page will open up, and this is where I put in put in contact information. So uh, put your name, first name, last name, and email address up here for contact information, and then type in the names of the people that are coming. Uh, so I'm going to type in Brittany's name, Brittany, Verda, and then her email is Pastor. There it is, shows up. So Pastor Brittany WCRC at gmail.com. Um, don't click these boxes because then Eventbrite will send you advertisements. So do you don't want that? And then it's easy. After that, you just hit register. And now Brittany is registered for the 9 a.m. drive-in communion service. Um, and that's all you have to do. And you don't have to show a ticket when you arrive. Just uh, uh, we'll have all the names of the people that, that have registered. And um, so you just come at the time that you said you'd come, the, the time slot you, you chose. So I hope that was helpful. Um, I'm praying that we'll get about 45 people for each service and uh, we'll have a meaningful and safe uh, time of, of gathering together and, and celebrating uh, uh, the Lord's Supper. Look forward to seeing you then. And uh, until then, God bless.